Morning Church, thanks for joining us online today. We're sorry that it has to be online, but this last week's been an interesting week with the storm, and we discovered that we have a busted water pipe here at the building, so we were unable to meet at the building. We hope to get that fixed this week. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. We're glad that you joined us today. So welcome today. We, we continue our study, Created to Do Good. It's a study of Ephesians. So if you were not able to be with us last week or join us last week online, let me give you a quick review. This study of Ephesians, Ephesians was written by Paul. Paul is an apostle. Ephesians is a short book. It's six chapters. It's 155 verses, and it's about 3,000 words. Let me tell you where we get our theme. We've looked at this already. We get it from Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. Let me give you another translation. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing good things. And so that's our theme for the Belton Church this year, for 2021, created to do good. And it's also our theme for the book of Ephesians. So this letter was written to the church in Ephesus, to the saints in Ephesus, or at least to the region of Ephesus, to people just like me and you. People just like me and you who are struggling, just like me and you. And so in chapter 1, Paul wants to remind them of who they are. He wants to remind us of who we are because, again, these people are struggling with their identity. These people are struggling with an inferiority complex. These people are struggling and didn't know who they were. And so Paul just wants to communicate to them in chapter 1 that you're valuable. And he wants to communicate to us that we are valuable, not because of who we are, not because of anything that we have done, not because of our deeds or our goodness. Paul wants us to know that we are valuable because of who we are in Christ, who we are in Him and through Him. And we see that phrase several times in chapter 1. And so Paul here in chapter 1 is going to remind us, here's the who we are. We are saints. We are faithful. We are blessed. We are chosen. We are predestined. We are adopted. We are sons. We are heirs, co-heirs. We are redeemed. We are informed. We are purposed. We are included. We are saved. We are marked. We are guaranteed. We are empowered. We are valuable. You could look at it another way. We could break those down. There are blessings that we have that are from the Father. There are blessings we have that are from the Son. And there are blessings that we have from the Spirit. And so in chapter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So that's what we looked at in chapter 1, is our spiritual blessings. All of these blessings are available to us in Christ, and only in Christ. They are spiritual blessings that come from God alone. These blessings are God at work in us. These blessings, this is activity that God produces in us. So in other words, the emphasis is on what God has done. Again, not on anything that we do, not on any of our good deeds. And so Paul says, this is what we need to be feeding our souls. These are the constant reminders that we need to have of who we are. These are constant reminders of how God sees us. And so we said last week, 
This is not the power of positive thinking. This is positive thinking about the power of God in our lives. And then Paul closes chapter 1 with a prayer. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And he says, I keep asking. I'm constantly asking. I'm constantly praying. He prays that the eyes of our hearts will be open. He prays that we'll know the hope. He prays that we'll know the inheritance. And he prays that we'll know the power. Here's what he says. I pray also that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That word power is the word dunamis. That word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. God's power in us is like dynamite. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, He gives to us to raise us from dead, unproductive lives. So we are empowered. We have resurrection power. Power available to carry out God's will. Power available to live each day. Because there's many days we live like that power doesn't exist. There's many days we live relying on our own power. There's many days we live beneath our means, and we have an untapped power source that's available to us. So Paul says, I want you to remember, he closes chapter 1, I'm praying that you remember that you are empowered. We have the power of God in our lives. And so then he's going to move into chapter 2. And the prayer almost continues because he says we have this power that's available to us and then he's going to describe that power. He's going to illustrate that power and to do that he has to tell us what we were. So let's read. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So we were dead... And then he says, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, we were dead, we were disobedient. And he goes on to say, and we were doomed. He says, we were by nature objects of wrath. So he illustrates, this is what you were. You were dead, you were disobedient, you were doomed. He's not being negative, but he's fixing to illustrate that power of God and what that power of God does. Because his focus changes. Again, Remember, he's praying for us to know the power of God. God could have allowed us to go on in sin and live eternally in hell. God could have punished us for the sins that we've committed. God could have left us in our disobedience and doom. But then we have two of the most beautiful words. Two of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. Just two words. Paul says, but God. But God, because of His great love for us. But God, who is rich in mercy. But God made us alive in Christ. But God raised us up with Christ. But God seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. But God saved us by His grace. But God, to show His incomparable riches. But God, to show His grace. God is showing the world through His power. Paul's illustrating the power of God. And God is showing the world through His power, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how sinful we think we are, God's grace through salvation, God can save us. Salvation. Again, it's a gift from God. 
It's not about us. This is, this is all about what God does and the activity He produces in us. It's not from us. It's not from works. It's not anything that we can boast about. And so Paul continues in Ephesians 2.10. Again, we're getting back to our theme. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, I love the easy-to-read version. God has made us what we are. That's His power. He's made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing good things. Another translation. Several translations. Spend our lives doing the good things. Ready to be used for good works. Created for a life of good deeds. Spend our lives in helping others. To join Him in the work He does. God made us to do good works. I love this translation from the message. Now God has us where He wants. He has us where He wants through His power and through Jesus Christ. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. That's really important. Join Him in the work He does. He's fixing to illustrate that. The good work He's gotten ready for us to do. Created to do good. Again, I love that theme for us this year. That is our theme. Created to do good. But here, listen, I, I want you to pay attention because I think this is important. Our salvation, our conversion is not the end product. A lot of times we think, hey, I'm saved, it's over, I don't need to do anything else. But Paul's fiction to illustrate, our salvation is not the end product. There's so much more. So he's going to tell us what that is in the rest of chapter 2. Let me read you the rest of chapter 2. Paul says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision... Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, in Christ Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So let me tell you how he describes this. Look at these next two slides. So formerly, these are the words he uses. Formerly, before Jesus, before Jesus came, before the power of God at the cross, we were separated from Christ. We were excluded from citizenships, citizenship. We were foreigners to the covenant of promise. We were without hope, without God in the world. 
once far away. Again, this is what we were. But through the power of God, now in Christ Jesus, I love all this language Paul uses. We've been brought near, made the two one, destroyed the barrier, the wall of hostility, abolished regulations, reconciled both of them, access to the Father, no longer foreigners and aliens, fellow citizens, joined together, built together, dwelling in which God lives. Wow, such powerful language. Paul wants everybody to know. He wants everybody to know, Jews and Gentiles, that you have the same access to God. The Gentiles have as much access to God as the, as the Jews did, just as much in Christ as the Jews did. God has made the two one. He's made Jew and Gentile one. This is so powerful because in the first century, when Jews and Gentiles got along, when Jews and Gentiles worshipped together, that was such a powerful statement to the first century church to see people reconciled in Jesus Christ. The wall in the temple. The wall in the temple that divided the inner court where the Jews were and the outer court where the Gentiles were, Jesus came and He destroyed that wall. Jesus came to remove and destroy not just the wall. Jesus came to remove all barriers. There should be no division in the church. There should be no division in our world. Here's how Paul describes it in Galatians 3. He says, You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is neither white nor black. There is neither rich nor poor. This is such a powerful text for our church, for our community, for our world getting along. Jesus came to reconcile people to God, period. No matter their background, no matter their race, no matter their color, no matter. Jesus came to reconcile people to God. Reconcile people to God. That's what the power of God does. That's the power of God that Paul is praying that we have, that we see, that we understand. That should be our message. We are all one in Christ. Here's how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, neither slave nor Greek, rich or poor, white or black. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, not us. All this is from God. Again, there's our world, who re- our word, reconciled, who reconciled to us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. God's purpose is not just to save us. He is using us to reconcile the world to Him. It's more than just our salvation. It's about reconciling people to Himself. How does God do that? He does that through the church. He removed all the barriers. He does that through the church. Jesus came to remove barriers. Jesus came to remove hostilities. Jesus came to remove hatred. Jesus came to remove anger and resentment. No one should ever feel excluded from the church. No one should ever feel alienated by the church. No one should ever be treated as on the outside by any Christians. Again, Paul wants us to know there's more than just our personal salvation 
God's purpose has been to build a redemptive community. God's purpose has been to create a fellowship, to create a supportive community where people walk with each other, where people feel empowered to make a difference. God's purpose is to establish a community of believers that would make a force in the world and not be a farce in the world. Paul wants us to know God's plan was not to build an audience. God's plan was to build an army. And so that's why he wants us to know, and we will see in Ephesians chapter 6, that the church should be a boot camp, training and equipping soldiers to go out into the world. God is on a mission to save people from hell. God is on a mission to help a suffering world. And His plan has always been to do that through the church, His redemptive community, which Jesus came to establish. The power of God does more than just save us. The power of God creates a community of believers, a new community, a new nation, a new household, a new temple, the church. Something new was created with the power of God at the cross, the birth of a new people, the birth of a reconciled people, the birth of a new community, the church. I like the way John R.W. Stott writes. He says, One of our chief blind spots has been to overlook the central importance of the church. We tend to proclaim individual salvation without moving on to the saved community. We emphasize that Christ died for us to redeem us from all iniquity rather than to purify for Himself a people of His own. Our message is more good news of a new life than of is more good news of a new life than of a new society. That's what our message has been. I'm sorry. God's eternal purpose is to create through Christ a new society characterized by life in place of death, by unity and reconciliation in place of division and alienation. Paul wants us to know this is who we are. We are a community of believers brought together by salvation in Christ. Not just individuals, but a community of believers. This is who we are. This is who God has called us to be. God has made us what we are. God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing good things. Listen, church, we have a God who has the power to save us from our past. We have a God who has the power to empower us for the present. It takes power to live the Christian life, not our power, not the power of positive thinking, not the power of self-control, not the power from right knowing, not the power of I'll just pull myself up by the bootstraps. It takes divine power that only, only comes from God. So Paul says, we need to stop living in grave clothes. And we need to start living in grace clothes through the power of God. That's what he tells us in chapter 2. It's time to stop living within our own power. It's time to start living in the power of God. We are God's people. We are God's family. We are God's residents. And Paul says, let's start living that way. I hope you have a great week.